0: This is The Based Catholic, because Catholicism should be the base of all hot takes.
1: All the cool kids now are unwoke. Some of them are going back to Christianity, because it's the only way to be rebellious. Because, you know, everybody's blue-haired, non-binary, and that's like... (laughs) It's the cover of Newsweek so you have to be like a Catholic doing saying the rosary to be a problem now. Yeah. This current world we've created spiritually for people. It's about money and profit and everything has no history or tradition. And everything's so disorienting and people are going back to things that root them.
0: And now your host, Jessica Kramer.
2: Welcome to the Base Catholic. This week's show is about the most objectively cool thing women do, a side of femininity that is often disregarded in modernity, the crescendo of female sexuality, procreation. While not every woman experiences the pain and glory of pregnancy and childbirth, and I don't want to be insensitive to those suffering infertility or miscarriage, this is the defining difference between men and women. This episode centers on a conversation I had with a friend Marlo Slayback, on her home birth experience. This is something that's trending in traditional Catholic circles, and Marlowe and I come from the conservative world of politics and journalism. We're both young writers and have similar, if not nearly identical, philosophies when it comes to questioning the prevailing orthodoxy surrounding women's health in mainstream medicine. The first part is from a recording we did last summer after the overturning of Roe v. Wade during the last few weeks of her pregnancy. We had a discussion on the reality of pregnancy, which is something that I think gets lost in the public discourse surrounding abortion. The second part we recently recorded, and it's mostly a reflection on her home birth experience. So for any moms out there contemplating a home birth, this episode is made especially for you. Here is part one. So when we met in D.C., we had this conversation because I saw you pregnant and you wore it so well. Very cute. (laughs) I appreciate that. I was like, (laughs) she's so cute pregnant. Um, And we were talking (laughs) and what I loved is that you had this really honest realization that you kind of came to throughout your pregnancy of, well, first of all, the observation that I'm already a mother, you know, the reality of pregnancy, and then also just the transition that you were feeling as a woman. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because you wrote a piece, you know, you were out there searching for something that could kind of speak to that transition and that reality, and you couldn't find anything. And so you wrote about it and you spoke about the reality of pregnancy. You know, you made this observation that it's not a prelude to motherhood, but the defining part of it. Um, yeah. And I think that gets lost in the conversation on abortion because, you know, people think that there's still a choice during pregnancy when the reality is that you're already a mother. There's a mother-child relationship already happening.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote that piece, you know, right. It, it was during the period where um, the job's decision was, you know, impending. It was going to drop any day now. And the reason why I wrote it was just as you suggested, there is not only the the kind of discourse surrounding, you know, when can, when life even begins. But when motherhood begins, I mean, there's always, you know, this kind of the approach to, you know, greeting a newborn child is welcome to the world. And I was just thinking, you know, that's, that's cute and all. And I, I'm sure people don't mean anything by it more than, you know, just kind of a, it's, it's just a salutation um, that's kind of ingrained in, in how we approach the newborn, like literally exiting the birth canal at the hospital. But I don't know, I, I from the moment, you know, I realized I was pregnant, I was like, I am mothering this child because I am I'm avoiding foods that I normally would selfishly indulge in. I'm I feel sick all the time. Um, I'm I'm doing things that are for the sake of my child, not myself. It's, it's a sacrifice that I had never experienced before um, that was purely out of the welfare of my unborn child. And you know that only grows throughout your pregnancy where, and it starts in the first trimester. I mean, I think it's, it's hard to visualize the first trimester because we often don't see, it takes some time for women to actually be showing, but that's when the sacrifice begins. It begins by abstaining from alcohol the moment that you realize that you have this small defenseless person inside of you. And it leads up to, you know, the moments in your second, third trimester where you're um, maybe not able to exercise like you used to be able to. You have to kind of shed the, the selfishness and even surrender to the pregnancy in a way that you, you're taking on a new body.
3: There's this thing that happens when you get pregnant. No one, no one talks about this. But you, you mourn a little bit. You mourn, you know, the person that you used to be, because the fact is, no matter how much you want to be a mom, you're never not going to be one again. Not to freak you. Okay. That is a huge brain adjustment. You are letting go of your old self.
1: You know, something that I had to get over was, um, I, you know, not being able to fit in my clothing. That was a huge transition for me. I'm like, you know, I had to tell myself this is, I'm no longer, that's kind of the Marlowe of my youth. That was beforehand, and now this is a whole new role for me. I'm a mother now, and I I should really learn to um, appreciate that with the sacrifices that come along with it. But it is a, kind of a new
2: station of life. Yeah, I, I went home recently and I saw a girl that I was friends with a couple of years ago, and and now she's married. She has a baby girl, and you know she looks great. Like she doesn't even look like she had a kid. But she made this comment, you know, kind of like. I guess I'm going to have to accept that I'm just going to be one of these frumpy moms now. But she said (laughs) it almost in a way where she was like, you know what? I accept it because this is the new life that I have. Like, this is the new reality. And, you know, my body has a different purpose now. It's not just for me. And then you spoke about, you know, meeting your baby for the first time. This person who is more intimately known to you than any other person, but simultaneously unknown. Do you think it's this unknowingness of the other inside of you that makes it easier for women to have an abortion? Do you feel like you need to know your child in order to love him? Because sometimes I wonder, you know, what the experience of pregnancy would be like in reverse if you already knew your child the way that you eventually will know your child. And would that love somehow make you appreciate or experience it differently? Yeah, so I, I think love is a
1: choice. Um, you know, that that's something that I've learned through even marriage, just approaching marriage and, you know, a way that's with compassion. And uh, just being realistic with myself about the expectations of loving my, my spouse. It's a choice. At the beginning of your pregnancy, you can't see your child. The, an ultrasound will not render an image that looks like we did when we were, you know, infants, newly born infants.
2: That was part one with Marlos Layback. We will continue with part two later on in the show. But in preparation for discussing the topic of home birth, I wanted to ask other women what their childbirth experiences were like and if they would ever consider home birth in the future.
3: three different birth experiences, and they're all pretty different. Say like with every birth, it gets better and better. The
4: hospital that we used, we did use their birthing rooms, which are more spacious than the other rooms that they offered. They had a birthing tub in there that you could use for labor, which I did try. They filled it with, you know, warm water so I could just relax in that during contractions. However, they told me that I couldn't give birth in the tub. And so that didn't help me to fully relax because I didn't know if he would just come out or not. And
3: so that kind of defeated the purpose for me. I guess I should preface with saying I got married right out of college. I uh, got pregnant on our honeymoon or I don't know, you know, basically got a great wedding gift from God and so while I was enjoying all these wonderful gifts in life I was going through a lot of changes I was just growing and things were hard it was hard to be the only person I knew that was married and having a baby it was hard working 14-hour shifts on an oncology floor it was hard uh, puking every day until birth multiple times a day Um, so that this so I was just all that to say I was really overwhelmed with just all the life changes that were good and hard and the experiences that I was having, um, especially at work and with my pregnancy illness. So all that to say is that I did not really do a ton of research um, into birth or even pregnancy at all. The
4: one thing that did happen that rubs me the wrong way was when he first came out he had very low blood sugar and so they were really encouraging me to give him formula since my milk hadn't come in that has the sugar that he needs however I wanted to nurse him right away and to have that bond and I fortunately was sane enough to ask like or I was more insistent of I want to try to
3: nurse him first before us giving him anything else. I was so tired, so out of it. I literally was like falling asleep. Obviously I had the moment of holding her, but because I was so tired and so drugged up from the Pitocin, they like bolused me with fentanyl to try to make the epidural work. I like I felt like I didn't really get to soak in or enjoy those moments or get all the wonderful hormones that come with a more natural birth. Um, I didn't mention this, but with my first child's birth daysies, I was working as an oncology nurse, and I had a lot of patients that would pass away, or very close. And the day I came in to be induced, one of my uh, favorite patients, Mr. Hernandez Castillo, uh, which was this amazing man, I could go on and on about him, but he came in essentially to die. And so while I was laboring, I was offering it up for him to like really be able to more actively unify um, my pain, Uh, to Christ and to, you know, offer up it for those I've loved and obviously for the soul of my child and the safety of my child. It, um, you know, we just live such a cushy life that um, I've really come to appreciate and be thankful for the opportunities to suffer, especially when suffering, the suffering is leading to such a wonderful thing, um, a, new, a new life. But it's good practice for the moment of death because I imagine after sitting on some bedsides of dying patients and experiencing childbirth that they are similar. <laughs> There's fear of the unknown, feeling like it's never gonna end, the pain, but the hope and the trust that something wonderful and awesome is coming.
4: I am now pregnant with my second child, and I am pursuing a home birth this time, just because I feel more, I think it'll be more relaxing at home. Um, Because when I was in the hospital, even though the care was overall pretty good, I just felt like I was always on guard, and I couldn't fully relax, just because I wanted to protect my son. And I didn't want anything to be done to him that I obviously didn't have in my birth plan. So I just felt like I couldn't, yeah, fully relax and be myself. Also, just a lot of, like, interruptions throughout the night during my
0: recovery. And uh, I just wanted to get home. You know, I... Definitely have always, you know, loved the idea of a home birth. That has been, you know, because with, especially in this day and age and people focusing more on natural and holistic ways of health and doing things, um, home births have always been appealing to me. I love the idea of being my home and relaxing, you know, and being able to be in an environment that I'm familiar with. Um, Thing is, I don't think I'll ever experience it. And the reality is, is that it's not something that my husband um, feels comfortable with. It's something he's not familiar with. And, you know, it really comes down to, with just our two experiences, I've come to, you know, the conclusion, we'll probably if we are blessed with more children, we will probably always go to the hospital in the sense that, um, just what we experienced with our two children and that it's not just about what I want as a mom in you know delivering how I want to deliver my children. also, I want my husband on team and on board with me too. Because I know when he's stressed, I'm stressed. When he's relaxed, I'm relaxed. And you know his support is very important to me. So I want him to feel confident <laughs> in his environment um, so that he can support me through labor and delivery. And I, I really, you know, cause I, I, see that as that's his way of participating in this, you know, there's not a whole lot the husband can do in the moment. Um, but helping make decisions on, you know, where are we delivering? Who's going to be part of the team? Um, how he can help me through the pain, you know, it, it all, it's all about the teamwork, and for me anyways, that's my personal look on it. I think, but again, I, and I want to clarify, I really think that having home births is amazing, and I wish I had that opportunity, um, but I don't think I will.
2: I'm Kraems, and this is My Corner. Welcome back to The Base Catholic. I'm your host, Jessica Kramer. And now here is part two of my interview with Marlo Slayback. We are here with Marlo Slayback, National Director of Student Programs at ISI, a freelance culture and food writer, and a mom. So, the last time that we recorded something, and this was almost a year ago, which I cannot believe. I know. You were about to give birth and you were planning a home birth. How did that go? Yeah, I was thinking about that
1: earlier today. Um, it's crazy. I'm now planning like my my first baby's, you know, first birthday party in a few weeks now. Um, but yeah, I, I did home birth and, you know, it was my first time giving birth. So I really didn't know what to expect. I did a lot of reading and that was kind of what I based my expectations off of. And um I had an amazing team of doulas and midwives and for those who don't know the difference um I didn't know the difference until I uh you know was <laughs> was pregnant um a doula is more like kind of emotional support to help you you know get in comfortable positions during labor to walk you through it to talk you through it the midwife is almost like the lifeguard there who is almost like a paramedical professional kind of and um mine was just so amazing amazingly talented um so yeah, I I gave birth at home on a tarp in my in my um, in my bedroom. <laughs> so uh, you know that was uh, it was a success after you know laboring, having contractions from like three a.m. in the morning up until four o'clock um, in the afternoon. Oh and, my
2: gosh!
3: 13
1: yeah, hours. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, it was, you know, doable. Like it was it was bearable, but it was very, very painful. Contractions are painful. Birth isn't meant to be easy. So, you know, this isn't something that was surprising. You're giving birth to a like eight pound child. <laughs> so it makes sense that it's kind of it's gonna hurt. But yeah, it went really, really well. And um, I guess the the thing that I'm now, you know, kind of my I guess post mortem that I'm, you know, just kind of re evaluating how it went is deciding whether I want to do it again. And so that's been kind of the biggest toss up in my, in my head right now. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not currently pregnant, but um, I would like more kids. So, um, you know, I've been kind of scouring the internet for um, other reviews from moms who have gone from, you know, doing home births to hospital births, Um, ones who maybe have done, you know, have taken different alternatives after having home births or ones who went back to home birth after doing hospital birth, because um, like, I'll be, Perfectly honest. I, I read a ton of literature <laughs> that was like, "Oh yeah, like Ina May Gaskin, who, um, you know, she's an American midwife and, uh, you know, popularized the idea of um, home birth. She's a total hippie." Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can maybe I'll talk about this later if we wanted to dive more into it about my. <laughs> I, I possibly want to have a hospital birth after this experience, not because it was a bad experience at all, but just out of my desire to have more pain relief um, during the process. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how it went um, for anyone out there that wants to do it. You know, that's great. Um, but th- <laughs> I walked away from this experience being like, I will never judge or shame a mother who decides to get the epidural like good on her. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. totally get it.
2: <laughs> well, there, I mean, there's a lot to touch there. I would assume that one of the pros was that you were in the comfort of your own home.
1: That's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that me and my husband did before I gave birth was decided like, okay, if I give birth in the bathroom, um, let's get a bunch of flowers to go all over the place so that I feel really comfortable. There's some color because one of the things that I think attracts a lot of women to the idea of home birth is you don't have to be in this like sterile hospital environment. Like everyone hates hospitals for a reason. And why would you want to give birth in one? Right. So that was definitely my my philosophy in my head was I want to give birth somewhere where I feel comfortable and maybe that'll help mitigate the discomforts of labor. And I think to some degree it did. But um, but yeah, it's, you know, you get to be in your home. You get to know where everything is. Um, there's really no surprises unless there's an emergency. You know, it pretty much goes as planned. You know where, you know, like if you need an ice pack, you know exactly where you put them. Um, you prepare all of the equipment that you need um, outside of the medical equipment that Midwife brings. You're like preparing, you know, the um, the <laughs> all of the towels, the 30 towels we bought at Walmart like, you know, the week <laughs> before because you need a lot of them. And you know where everything is and you're able to move around really comfortably and get in positions. I think that's the biggest thing is being able to get in comfortable positions. Um, so a, a criticism I've heard of hospitals is they don't really um, enable you to give birth, for example, like when you're standing up or, you know, anywhere but on your back. Ironically enough, I gave birth while on my back so (laughs) so yeah you know that's just that's the irony it just ended up happening that way but yeah i think that's definitely a huge advantage that a lot of moms cite in their decisions to um do natural at-home childbirth
2: so i follow joy edrich and so she is on her third pregnancy and she did a home birth during covid because i think it just worked out that way it was it was Mm -hmm. better and she's an expatriate she's in they're in paris france and it's not common to do home birth at all over there but their hospitals you know all paid for by the state but they look like something out of you know Russia like it's just it's very scary there's no mm-hmm. lattes like it's it's not a nice hospital experience that you would experience sure. in America which I think is funny because we all think of hospitals as these terrible places when in other parts of the world even Paris I mean right. not that much nicer but what's so interesting that um, you brought this up I, I was like wow most people would have a bad experience at a hospital and then be researching into the home birth Sure, you're kind of the opposite, and I I respect you being honest, though, because yeah. <laughs> I mean you're talking you're talking to a girl who I at one point in college I had such bad PMS cramps. Yeah. I literally went on a morphine drip at the hospital. Like, wow, I, I mean that was extreme. It's 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 only happened once in my life. Sure, and I'm cr- I'm horrified that they did that. Honestly, looking back, but. I would understand, you know, like at a certain point you reach a limitation. And I think everyone goes into this with the mentality of, you know, I'm young, I'm physically fit, I'm strong, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mentally tough, I can do mm-hmm. this. And Definitely. there are those women. But when it comes to this, it could be an entirely different experience. Whereas like I have a friend, I don't think she could lift a couch. But for sure. some reason, like her body, she was able to push out a, a child, no problem. So I just think it depends on the individuality of the woman, but yeah. also the baby, because Mm -hmm. Even a woman who has, you know, maybe five, six kids, I'm sure every pregnancy is different. I'm sure every, you know, birth experience is different. Like the individuality of that circumstance, I just don't think you can plan and prepare for. Definitely. Yeah, that's the
1: thing that, makes mom so uneasy is like we I think a lot of us have this natural disposition of like we we're planners we want to be able to plan as much as possible especially with something as serious as you know giving birth the line that my my dear midwife who I I want to say you know she's just, just so good like she was just amazing really gifted birth does not need to be a medical experience um, and I'm of the opinion that for some women, it needs to be a medical experience. For like, that's just the reality of it. Some women are, um, you know, maybe they have health problems, pre-existing conditions, and for the good of that woman and her child, they need to be in a hospital. And I totally respect that. Maybe some women just want to be in a hospital because the epidural will mitigate their pain. I totally respect that, and that might be me one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and like you know I, that's a great point that you brought up is each birth is different and this is my first baby i have no idea how the next one could go maybe the next one and this is what i've heard from other other you know god willing i have another child what i've heard from other women is like oh the first one's always super hard right your bi- body's never done it before your bi- body's never like it, you know g- given birth to a child before it's a huge huge thing um that your your body has to kind of accommodate and um the, I've heard from women who've had six kids they're like, oh yeah, like at some point they just kind of like slide out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well that's that's really heartening to hear. Um, <laughs> but I think yeah, it's definitely you know a case- by-case basis um, if if a woman just doesn't feel you know like you know deep down, she doesn't feel comfortable giving birth naturally or maybe she has a low pain tolerance, do it in the hospital because I I'm just saying I don't want to like you know discourage anyone from pursuing home birth if their heart's really set on it. but I'm just saying, you know, I don't think women should feel, especially there, there is kind of a, um, a natural kind of hippie, especially right wing, right wing circle. So like a lot of conservative, like crunchies like me, um, I guess would fall in this camp, but, um, you know, there's the beauty of home birth and how how great home birth is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, and then I did it and I'm, I, I felt on top of the moon after I did it. I'm like, what the heck? Like I cannot believe on no sleep whatsoever. I, I literally did not sleep that night. Um, and I was, they were thinking about transferring me at some, at one point, or I was going to, you know, say like, okay, I just want to go to the hospital because I was so, so well, exhausted.
2: Was there a window where you're like, I could go to the hospital and I could get an epidural? Yes, absolutely. And <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was, I was like, so tempted to just be like, all right, I'm done, yep. I'm tapping out. Honestly, Jessica, the funniest
1: thing is like, I was like, I spent so much money on doing this. I'm not going to just like oh! say, look, take me to the hospital. <laughs> like... Like I spent so much money on, you know, like, is not covered towels. by insurance like <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? Like, I bought the towels. I bought all of the stuff. you know, the insurance didn't cover the the midwife. So we paid for that out of pocket and it was a worthwhile expense. like, you know, happily would pay it again um but i'm like no marlo like toughen up i was like there was one point where i'm like what if i just pretend like i just got shot or something Oh my um maybe yeah maybe i'd feel like oh okay like
2: first of all you know i can i don't know what i I was thinking no i connect on this because i am so cheap (laughs) like if i've committed to no i'm i'm like you in this way if i've committed to something I don't want to spend extra if I already committed right. to something or if I don't have right. to. Like, right, like it's right. got to be bad. But there's that temptation, I'm sure. And like at a certain point when you're exhausted, I mean when you don't sleep, you're not in the best place to even make judgment calls.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was like, you know, my my husband was like praying for me. I was like saying the Hail Mary. I'm like I just want to be, you know, delivered from this pain because it was the contractions. But it's so funny because you know, people talk about the ring of fire. Yeah, my friend. Is, my friend told me in
2: great detail.
1: Yeah, that. so it's funny because actually, that was what delivered me. Was w- whenever I finally gave birth, it was like, oh my gosh, the contractions are gone. I the oxytocin that. I, there's this midwife that I, I think I mentioned earlier named Ina May Gaskin. She talks about this, like the oxytocin that happens after giving birth is like it just, you know, explodes and you are overcome with this feeling of just like, you know, affection to, toward your child. It's like this euphoria and high that moms feel after they give birth. And I totally felt that so much so that, you know, they were like stitching me up. They were like, you know, I I was the um I, like the baby was laying on me and I was so. I was just like, Oh, my gosh, like the pain's gone. And I'm sure like after the contractions, you know, they were no longer happening. I was, you know, on cloud nine, and the ring of fire didn't even occur to me as being like super painful. I just wanted it all to end. And once it ended, it ended. Wow. <laughs> so that I guess that's kind of the the light at the um, end of the tunnel for any moms out there that might be kind of horrified.
2: <laughs> um, it's the shocking ring of fire. that the actual birth <laughs> was yeah. not nearly as bad as the pre- preparations that your body was going through for it. Yeah, that's how that's what I would say, at least. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's something that's encouraging,
1: because it, it becomes scary. Honestly, like I'm someone who um, you mentioned bad you know, PMS symptoms, stuff like that. I am someone who had those when I was younger. And um, like, I I was I was told it's just that but like a lot worse. I would agree with that. It just it, it's the unending like, it, it just, it's you know, nonstop ramp. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> just corp. like, and it gets worse and worse. And I just wanted that to end. And so once the baby was out, it ended. And honestly, like the, the ring of fire did not, I didn't even process it as like a lot of pain. It was more like, I was thinking of it as relief. And one of the things that, you know, if you're reading a lot of this midwife literature, or you have a midwife, they'll tell you about is um, just preparing yourself mentally for childbirth is probably one of the and I will give this to midwifery and um, natural home birth is they prepare you for for labor in a way that a hospital I don't think does, mm. um, unless you maybe you take classes outside of that is um, viewing it as this, you know, natural thing that your body's meant to do. So I hate the comparison that like, you know, when people say, oh, like. You know, if men want to imagine giving birth, just think about pushing like an orange through your nostril. I'm like, no, like your nostril isn't supposed to push an orange through it. Your A woman's body <laughs> is meant to,
2: you know, it's designed for, for this, for like pushing a child out well, of it. I'm like, sure like even trying to explain a cramp to a guy, it just doesn't, I don't think it makes yeah, sense. I don't right, think it. Right, it doesn't,
1: right? Yeah. And, you know, just having to kind of um, rewire my brain and how I think about childbirth because there's so many dramatic representations of it in media and, you know, the, from the water breaking to, you know, and it doesn't always follow the script, right? Every case is different, um, but also, you know, having to look at it like, okay, I can do anything for one minute. Um, mm. I, it's funny cause I still tell myself that when I'm doing like a plank or something or when I'm working <laughs> out and I really don't want to, I'm like, okay, Marlo, it's one minute, right? Um, but with childbirth, it's the same thing. Like, can you push through this contraction? It'll be one minute long or whatever you can do anything for one minute and just telling myself that and honestly having a doula there was so valuable for that reason is she was just like this calm energy that helped me get through that all. But um, I would recommend to anyone who is considering home birth or even hospital birth. Um, and maybe, you know, I, I've never had the epidural, so I don't know if this applies as much since maybe the, the sensation of the pain isn't as powerful, which it, it obviously isn't with the epidural, but um, thinking about, you know, just framing the pain in a different way as pressure is what, you know, I've heard it referred to instead of pain. Um, I think in a way that, that did help me a little bit. Um, Just thinking about it a little bit differently um, so that I felt like, okay, like I'm empowered to do this. This isn't something that no, my my grandmother had 11 kids. So I'm like, okay, this is something (laughs) women have done before, thankfully. (laughs) Um, And I,
2: why, why would I not be able to right? So, um, well, it's this, weird, so yeah. <laughs> it's this weird like passive and active natural process because it probably feels like something's happening to you because you're so uncomfortable. But then you're also just actively in it and having to push. So you're kind of, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, like I, I wouldn't know until I experienced it. But I mean, do you, did you feel like after that moment, I had a friend who said... She's like, all throughout pregnancy, even if I did nothing all day, I was doing something. I was growing a human. And then after birth, she said, I feel like I can do anything. Like, if my body can just figure out how to push another human being out, she's like – you, you do feel invincible in a way. I would have never thought that I would
1: have done a home birth. Like I, I would have never thought that I would have been able to do that. Like on my bedroom floor, on like a tarp, just like get her done. Like I did not think that that was, I had it in me until I actually did it. You feel really empowered. You have to kind of accommodate to your new person, or not your new personality, but you have a new identity after you have a kid. Like you're, you're just, your life is so radically changed that Um, you, sometimes I'll catch myself like wanting to, um, like I have had an itch lately to just, you know, I used to (laughs) travel on my own to like crazy places and, um, I've had that itch lately and, you know, some, and then you have to, you know, once the, once a child enters the picture, you have to build your life around them and with them in it. Right. And it's like, you know, you did, you do this really amazing thing like childbirth and it's doesn't necessarily get easier, you just get better. Um, and, you know, each age has its new challenges. Um, I like my, my, my son's 11 months old right now, and he's crawling. So that's been, you know, that's a new thing, right? It's it definitely has its challenges, like you have to be careful to make sure that, you know, there's not marbles on the floor, whatever, or even like the smallest thing you can pick up and choke on. Um, But also it's like, oh, well, he's like developing personality. He's like so chatty. Um, He's just adorable. He's like this teddy bear. Um, And you start to like emerge from, especially if, you know, if you're a woman who gave birth and has postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression, um, obviously, you know, seek out some sort of help whether that's through a therapist or a a mom's group or something but it does get better and your personality adapts to it and your your interests adapt to it um and um yeah it's it is definitely like you're kind of it's passive in a way like you are rolling with it and but you want to make sure that you're also um a character in your your you and your child's story i guess um you know you don't want to be like you won't be the same person that you were but um you can be an even better person. You you know you did this amazing thing of giving birth, right? Who's to say that you can't still do, um, you can't do all of the things that you used to do, right? Maybe you can't work anymore. Maybe you know you can't like hop on a plane and go to wherever you want in Europe anymore because you just don't have you have limitations now and you're a much more civilized person, right? But um, you know there are other things that as a mom. Um, so yeah, that's just that's what I'm learning now. So I hope that's, I wish I was told that when I was like, you know, a few, when I was in the newborn stage. So I hope this is helping someone out there.
2: <laughs> well, so you talked about the euphoria that you experienced, like once you actually gave birth and then did you, did you experience postpartum?
1: Yeah. Um, I kind of did for, so a few months, I, it was mostly during the newborn stage. Um, I definitely had, um, symptoms of PPD, postpartum depression. And, um, that was hard because I, you know, i I moved back to Pittsburgh to be near my family, which really, I think really helped. But um, yeah, it, there's just so much new that's happening, right? The oxytocin goes away. Um, so after that leaves your body, um and the hormone, you know, you you're just you're a like cocktail of hormones. And once that goes away, naturally, there's just going to be a lot of shifting emotions adapting to new life. You're not sleeping. Like yeah. the first three months are called the fourth trimester for a reason. Like you're adapting to have a baby. This baby is like, who are these idiots? Like, you know, <laughs> in, in me and my husband's case, cause we didn't know what we were doing and you, who, learn, whoever right? does. you learn really fast. Like, like- yeah, exactly. That's what I was like. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like if people have done this, for you know, since forever, and they've managed to keep kids alive. Then why can't me and my husband? <laughs> um, so that's definitely a feeling that we felt, though. Um, and you know, obviously, you learn how to change a diaper, you learn how to breastfeed, you know, you learn how to do all of this. Um, but but yeah, no, it, it it doesn't happen to all women. I think it's like one in ten women get postpartum depression. Um, sometimes it only lasts a few months. I've heard sometimes it lasts a year or longer, up to two years. Um, obviously like environmental conditions such as like just what's in your environment. Like, are you, I think one of the actually the biggest things that can impact whether you develop postpartum depression is whether there is the maternal grandparents, specifically the grandmother I've heard is in the picture and active the maternal. Yeah. So the mom's mom, Mm -hmm. which makes so much sense. Right. Um, I mean, Uh, it made so much sense to me at the birth. No, she wasn't, but that was my choice. I love her to death, but she's, um, She'd definitely be like scared for my life. She'd be like, "Oh my gosh, like what's happening to her right now?" She's she she's a doctor, so oh, wow. um, and she's very like she. It's funny because her mom gave birth to, like eleven kids at home, <laughs> but um, she's very much so in like you know kind of the more normy I guess side of things, mainstream um, medical establishment. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> she exactly. Thought you were crazy. Not to disparage
2: that, but yeah, they kind of thought like does marlo know what she's getting herself into um well i also think but, the personal side of it it's like you know my mom was at my sister's two births and you never want to see your child in pain so oh my gosh exactly. i mean you're there for them to support them and you've been through it and you can help them but right. at the same time it's it's not like a pleasant experience
1: right and you can't really do anything right like you there's really no way to help it's just like the only way out is through grandparents are a like such a blessing and i was actually you know i talked to my friend who is um, I work with her, and she's also a um, a mom of one, and um, we're really good friends. She's actually my son's godmother, and we talk about it all the time. Your vocation as a parent does not end once you once your kids are off to college, or once they're eighteen, or whatever you know, once they're legally out of your nest. Um, it lasts forever. You are a parent forever. You're a parent to your own kids and you're a parent to your grandkids in one way or another. Once I moved back to Pittsburgh to be around my parents, it was like this fog kind of lifted. So um, I don't want to say like it cured PPD necessarily, but it definitely some, helped me. Yeah, it helped me out so There's something about home. Yeah. There is. Exactly. Um, Yeah, it, it's – you know, there's nothing like it. I know that's so cliche, but – um. Having, especially having, you know, the the wisdom and just the warmth of your parents nearby, um, I think is definitely one of the biggest um, variables in in the outcomes
2: of postpartum women and you know how they're adjusting to their to their new um, routines. Well, that's so interesting that you said that because I was thinking like, who would I consider my second mother? And it's always been my maternal grandmother. Yeah, and and I think it's it's natural that most people are closer with their mom side, and I think that yeah, there's that natural extension because I mean anything that your mother is, she gets it from her mother. Yeah, exactly, and especially just as a girl, you know, having that that female multi generational connection, I think, is huge, and I and I actually think that this is so sad that I think our generation is missing out on with so many people leaving home; they're missing that essential. Family connection, the multi generational connection, and kids, you know, growing up without cousins and without grandparents around, without family, without that sense of home and rootedness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's huge. What was your husband's experience being the supporter? Because he can't do much, but was it interesting? Because, you know, we talked about how you're already a mother when you're pregnant,
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: in our last recording, and I was gonna ask you if you felt like once you actually got to see your child, if there was something that happened in that moment, and and with Zach meeting, you know, him for the first time, if anything, you know, registered or clicked for him.
1: Yeah, it's it's like I've written about this before, but you just feel like so primal, like you feel like an animal. Like there's, I've never felt so much like an animal than. (laughs) when I gave birth like you have this child in front of you you don't know really anything about them besides they're yours right like you don't know what their interests are because they haven't really developed them yet you don't know anything about them because you haven't nursed them yet you haven't seen them crawl around yet you don't know what toys they like to play with you know nothing about them besides personality to them yeah yeah exactly you just know their name and you just know that they belong to you and that alone just it made me feel like you know if watching like videos of like zoo animals giving birth, right? Like obviously the human life is much more valuable <laughs> than those animals, but um, it just made me feel like I was kind of on that same primal wavelength as them. Um, and that was my initial instinct was just like wanting to like hold my child, um, which was weird because I didn't really grow up around babies or children. Um, and then it's just crazy how you're totally rewired throughout pregnancy and up to, you know, even after that moment, um, same with my husband, I think. Like, you know, he he almost feels this same animalistic, like the the father figure, um, just you know, taking care of and guarding their child and and the mother. Um, and so we definitely felt like, you know, I, I I talk to my mom friends about this all the time. It's like there's this solidarity with the animal kingdom, and you know, when I watch those sad videos now of like, there was this one video I saw. Um, of like this mom bird shielding her children from a truck that was coming and, you know, they were underneath it. Um, And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I hope it's okay. Like, I've never <laughs> felt that so hard before.
2: Actually, <laughs> and I, there's something to this because my friend's sister who got gave birth first out of that group, she said, she's like, the minute I had a child, she's like, I got what everyone was talking about my whole life. And she's like, I knew if anyone touched or hurt my yeah. child, I would kill them. Like, oh, yeah. There was this You became instinct. total mama bear. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, like things like, and it's kind of morbid, but my like I said, my brain has just been totally rewired, even on like political issues, things like school shootings. This was when I was in high school. I was even saying, I'll never send my kid to a public high school or public mm. school in general. But like, I've, I've come to the point where I'm like, I don't want my child stepping foot into a public school in America. I'm not really interested perhaps in the activism in it right now, but I I definitely have come around to seeing the, you know, the other perspective of like parents being terrified of sending their kids to school because this is a sickness that is plaguing our nation that, you know, you know, whether, whatever you think about the issue and the policies that perhaps could um, influence it. And I definitely do think that it is rooted in, cultural pathologies right now. Um, and, you know, how that's leading young men to carry out these heinous, heinous crimes against innocent people in in their schools. Um, but it, that was just the weirdest thing to, in, in me that I'm like, you know, even after like Uvalde, I was like, you know, just so heartbroken like never before over this topic because I can't even imagine when I heard the story of like the um, the grandfather whose child was killed in that school in Uvalde. You know, this fourth grader, my like heart broke into a ten thousand pieces because you can start imagining that sort of pain, um, and you could imagine now you know it. Now you know the yeah. love. Yeah, yeah, you know the love exactly. You know what you'd be missing out on. You know what would be lost, and you know what it feels like to protect that childless too. Yeah, exactly. Even when I'm at the mall or you know shopping, you know keeping close eye if anyone is around my child trying to talk to him or anything. I'm like instantly like cortisol shoots shoots through the roof. Um, you know, even in parking lots, like getting to my car as fast as possible, making yes. sure that my eyes are on him. Like that's just you know stuff that you do now. I know there. This is so stupid, but there was like an argument going on on Twitter the other day about like, oh, if you don't take your cart back to your, you know, shopping to the back to the, you know, the store or whatever, it's <laughs> this, this. Yeah. Then you're like a bad person. Normally I'd be like, yeah, you're a bad person if you don't do that. After became a mom, I'm like, no, like do not take the cart back. If you're, if your car is like far away and you're, you know, you're a woman with your child in a parking lot, no protection around you, no husband nearby, you know, Get to your car as fast as possible and get the child inside the car. Don't like, you know,
2: talk to anyone
1: or yeah. anything like it sounds paranoid, but like bad no. things happen. In parking I, lots.
2: <laughs> I just saw I just saw Sound of Freedom and I don't want to go off on a I whole segment about that. But yeah, I mean, even in the opening sequence, mm-hmm. yep. you, you see the shots of someone just turning their back for a second and their yep. baby being snatched. I mean, exactly. I, don't, I don't think people realize how prevalent this is. Yeah, I mean John Walsh. I don't know if oh you I used to or... watch him. Yeah, my yes. mom is obsessed. Yeah,
1: yeah, John. I me too. I was obsessed with him growing up. So John Walsh. For those you know listening who don't know, he was um, he's you know activist. Um, I I don't know what I've called an activist, but he ran. I think he was it was FBI's most wanted, right? And um, it was I think he got really into uh, helping you know fight crime and these different ways uh, by promoting you know the the FBI's. I think he was FBI's most wanted. Um, Wasn't it like America's like most List? wanted? America's Oh, yeah. Well, I think that was through the FBI, though. I forget. But yeah, he he did the show, I think, America's Most Wanted. And um, it was after he was at a shopping mall, and his son was kidnapped, like his young son was kidnapped, and they discovered him like he he was murdered. Um, And that was after that, you know, he um, started doing um, activism, you know, against um, against these types of crimes, especially against children. And this stuff happens. It happens at malls. Like if you're a predator, where do you go to find kids and parents who might be distracted? Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like that's just something that is reality when you're a parent is you just have to keep a close eye on your kids all the time. And if that means not taking your shopping cart back to, you know, the, um, to the the store or whatever, then like, sorry, uh, that's just what you have to do because these things do happen and people just don't get it until they have kids though. And I totally understand that. You know, I,
2: When I didn't have kids, I would have probably said the same things. So you had mentioned (laughs) the cost of your midwife and doula. I was going to ask you, um, in comparison to hospital births, do you Mm -hmm. think that it was more cost effective to give birth naturally at home?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, you know, there are it depends honestly the biggest factor is probably insurance and how much insurance coverage you have but it really depends like if you're someone who goes into a hospital and you're expecting that you're going to have a c-section or some sort of medical procedure or you know whatever will spike up the cost of your hospital stay during labor obviously that might cost something much different um i will say what was really great about my midwife and maybe this is something that applies across the board to a lot of midwives um maybe not i don't know i've only had one midwife um but they did kind of a stratification of like what of a like affordability so like if you consider yourself and it's kind of like an honors system if you consider yourself like middle class here's what we're going to ask you to pay basically they didn't want to price anyone mm. out if they wanted yeah if they wanted a home birth but couldn't afford it out of pocket right wow. um hmm. yeah and I thought that was so great because I think it's definitely you know if you're um if you're not someone who has the extra Know, spare. And I totally get that. Like childbirth is expensive. Then, um, hospital birth, if your insurance is covering it is o- obviously probably more favorable. And I totally get that. Um, but yeah, that was, I think a really nice, um, nice favor that, you know, she does. And I think it's from a really good p- place, is She wants this to be as accessible as possible to women who want that option. Um, I will say home birth probably isn't as, isn't as expensive as people think it is. Um, it's, At least, you know, I will say, you know, I'm not gonna say exactly how much it costs because there, I mean, there's other costs that go into it. Like there's lab, if you want to like get lab work done, which I mean, that's not too too expensive. It's probably a couple hundred bucks, but it costs under $10,000, um, Obviously, it's still a lot of money, especially if it's out of pocket and you might be able to get away with, you know, doing a, home, a hospital birth for much less. Um, but I've seen people get billed for, you know, three, four thousand dollars for a hospital birth.
2: Um, oh, and the so average. Yeah. yeah. The average is between three and five. I have a friend who works in a NICU for the same hospital and she was. OK. I mean, it was probably like two thousand twenty six hundred. Yeah. Yeah, it can be not including like, it, actually it varies, you but, stay for the baby, because um, wow, so there was a little incident. But um, yeah, sure. I mean it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's super expensive, and depending
1: on how um, you know, like if you need some sort of intervention, I'm sure that is more expensive. Um, but if you're, and this is probably something worth mentioning too, is um, midwives and midwifery. You know, they they only take on at least at least ones who want to continue having, you know, a business, um, they only take on or cases, they only take on patients that are low risk. Um, so that, you know, there isn't some sort of terrible, you know, like incident or something that happens at home that requires significant medical intervention. So, you know, you're heavily, you know, from the get go, you're asked anything from, you know, I remember talking to my midwife about like, my, um, this was even before she agreed to take me on as a patient. Um, like my mom's experience because this is my first baby. So I didn't have any other births as data points to use in this consideration on whether I was a low risk pregnant woman or not. Um, how did my mom's experience go with her pregnancies? Did she have any complications? Um, that was a consideration, everything from weight. I mean, weight's a big one. I know women who, you know, are considered, um, overweight, who were not able to do, um, home births and that's, you know, understandable. It affects your pregnancy. Um, you know, if you have low or high blood pressure, um, there, they do a lot of different testing throughout the, um, pregnancy as well to make sure that, you know, you're healthy and that the food you're eating, that you're not eating. The big one is, you know, uh, developing, um, you know, high blood sugar during pregnancy, which can affect the baby. Um, but, the, yeah, all of these things are kind of taken in. It's very holistic or comp- comprehensive, rather. And um, that's how she decides whether to um, take you on as a patient or not. But, yeah, it, that, that's definitely, like, you know, if if you are accepted, you're probably ro- low risk. So they're not going to take on cases that, you know, you're giving birth and there's a terrible complication that could have probably been. Pin- would have probably been better handled at the hospital or something. So I think that's where the the cost is usually factored into. Like, okay, we're not going to do a huge medical intervention here, so home birth can stay kind of in that couple of thousand dollar range. I think you know it's usually around anywhere from five to seven. I want to say, um, depending on the state, of course. And uh, so yeah, that's. I definitely think they're depending on a number of things. Um, you probably get comparable. Uh, pricing for a home birth and a na- or a birth in a hospital
2: interesting it, did you ever have a thought during the process where you're like okay if i need medical intervention am i am i going to be okay like calling an ambulance like it's taking more time to get me to the hospital like did you ever worry at all so that's actually another nice thing about like like ladies out there if you're listening and you're
1: considering home birth and that's a question that's on your mind. I'm sure it's on your mind because it was on my mind as well and this is a very common question that's asked. Most midwives and at least my midwife did this is they they will only take on cases within a um certain radius of the nearest of a near hospital that um you know they'll go to any hospital if it's a real emergency and they just need to get there but my midwife had actually a hospital um specifically picked out that was that was friendly to midwives and like has dealt with them before. And um, because sometimes doctors can, some doctors are like more, I don't want to say skittish, but much more hesitant to work with midwives um, who do home births and others. um, Like the one at the hospital uh, that my midwife suggested in the event that I needed a hospital, um, you know, that doctor knows her, Um, they know, you know, her business, they, they know that they might get a woman in need of a, you know, some sort of hospital intervention that she was transferred to the hospital for a reason after, you know, attempting a home birth. Um, So that's definitely, that's something that's, you know, from the get go, they tell you, like, in the event that something happens, you need to be transferred to the hospital, here's the nearest hospital that we go to, and you consent to, you know, if, if the midwife says, like, no, we're taking you, and that's that because you are in, in no condition to do this at home right now for whatever reason. you consent to that, right? So that's that's something that is from the get-go you know, explained to you and that you agree to. So, um, and I, I think most probably midwives do that um initially because that would be a huge liability yeah. <laughs> if you can't get to a hospital in time,
2: yeah, for sure. Um, just and just to circle back to the the cost, I was thinking about this because, you know, the whole make birth free movement mm-hmm. is kind of starting so between JD Vance and Americans United for Life put out that um that piece. And yeah. so I wanted to ask you your not only your thoughts on it in general, but what are your thoughts on on making home birth more affordable because it looks like insurance companies don't want to go that route and they don't want to cover that. Do you think that it's sure. do you think it would be an option that a majority of people would prefer and it would be a good healthy option for for them? Okay. So my, I'm going to answer in two ways here. Number one, I
1: think that, yes, I I definitely think all births should be free. Um, Whether that's a home birth or a hospital birth, I think there should be a stratification of care options available. I think the problem right now is um, most women, you know, it's just much easier to do a hospital birth for a variety of reasons. Your insurance covers it. There's just a, you know, there's a plenitude of hospitals and doctors to choose from. That's not the case for midwives. In fact, I'm like one of the things that's kind of working in the favor of me going to a hospital for my next child, um, whenever that happens, um, is that it's just much easier to find an OBGYN or a hospital nearby. I haven't been finding many midwives that I like in the area. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's one consideration. Um, and the second one is I do not think that home birth is for everybody. I do not think natural home birth is for everybody. Um, and on that note, I don't think that everybody would want to do it anyways, even if it was made more readily available. Um, you know, I mean, there's I think there's a number of reasons why that is. I think um, popular depictions of childbirth make it seem extremely intimidating um, and scary and painful. And it is, you know, it, it is intimidating and it is it, it can be very painful. Um, so I think that has um, the. Uh, epidural, and so I think many women women want it for that reason. I mean, <laughs> you know, listen to me talking like I'm I'm probably someone who will want it in the future as well. Yeah, more or less. Um, like I want the drugs and, next time. Yeah, I know. Like give me the drugs. I want. <laughs> um, so I think you know, like it would be great if we had a stratification of care, which would mean. Um, you know, if you are low risk, you have the option to be covered, um, by your insurance company to do a home birth because, you know, insurance, they don't want to take on risk for someone who is maybe unable, but for someone who's low low risk, like I was, you know, that that's a great option to have, to have, um, to be able to give birth at home for free. Something that makes me feel more comfortable, perhaps is a healthier alternative, um, where I'm not at risk of getting a C-section, um, or whatever. I mean, that was, one of the biggest considerations I had to is C-section rates are pretty high and I didn't want one um, for whatever reason. So, you know, I did it, I wanted to do it at home where that was, uh, you know, significantly lowered risk. It wouldn't make sense for them to cover like home birth for someone who is high risk, because if something happens, something goes wrong, um, that could have, that we, you know, we knew about it from health records stuff, then obviously that's, uh, that might make things a little bit complicated. So, so yeah, I think that'd be great if, if birth was covered because I think the price factor definitely makes it so a lot of women look at the prices of, you know, they'd have to pay out of pocket and they're like, I I can't afford that, right? Um, And even, you know, if in addition to all the other considerations that go into deciding whether to have a natural home birth or not, um, I definitely think the finances are um, discouraging a lot of women from deciding on it.
2: I'm Jessica Kramer, this has been The Base Catholic. I wanna thank my guest Marlo Slaback not just for sharing her thoughts on home birth, but for sharing such a personal experience. I heard it said, your impact will never be larger than your personal story. I think there's great benefit to others in sharing your personal experiences, and I hope this show proves to do that well. I want to thank our show's chaplain, Father Kevin Estabrook of Cleveland, and my sound engineer, Johnny Hiles, who without his help and patience, this show would never get put together each week. And I especially want to thank you for listening. Make sure to tune in next week.
0: Based. if you're like aria and need more based make sure you never miss an episode of the based catholic saturdays at 5 p.m on am 1420 the answer as well as on all podcasting platforms and on facebook instagram and twitter jessica kramer helps you be catholic and be based
2: there's a show that's a show